Welcome to the Today is a Good Day podcast, a podcast to bring you a new point of support as you navigate your NICU journey. Today is a Good Day is here to be a part of your conversations, whether your baby was born prematurely, has special needs, or if your family is grieving a loss. The voices you will hear on the Today is a Good Day podcast are personal stories from people who have been there. Please don't forget to hit subscribe and leave us a review on your favorite podcast listening app. As we reflect on our family's personal journey with our premature daughters, we wish we had known about different resources that were available to help us through the NICU experience. We hoped we were asking the right questions to the nurses and doctors. We definitely should have reached out to the social worker at the hospital for more assistance, but we just didn't know. Ann Coyle understands what parents are going through during their NICU journey. She's here today to help us identify those resources that are available and provide some questions families should ask. Ann has been a nurse for 38 years at Virtual Hospital in New Jersey. She spent 32 years in the NICU and now works as the manager of perinatal bereavement programs, helping parents in a variety of ways. She's married with two children and three wonderful grandchildren. And I am so grateful our paths crossed several years ago. Happy to have you here today on this special episode. And before we get started, you know, I have to ask you, what made you choose the NICU 38 years ago? (laughs) Well, I think, uh, thank you for having me. Uh, Actually, I think the NICU chose me. Uh, When I graduated nursing school, there were not a lot of jobs available. So I applied. I always knew that I wanted to do something in maternity. I thought I wanted to be a labor and delivery nurse. I applied everywhere, every hospital in New Jersey, a few in Pennsylvania. I was offered one job in Pennsylvania. I thought if I have to take it, I'm going to go for the most money I can possibly make (laughs) right away. And then I got a call from a NICU. Um, I, it was called Garden State Hospital. It's now West Jersey, Marlton. And they offered me a NICU job. And this woman who was the nurse manager took a huge risk. She hired me and another brand new graduate to work the night shift. Only the two of us. Oh, my goodness. She trained us herself. It was amazing. She was an amazing woman. I'm, for, I'm forever grateful to her. And... Um, here I am, you know, years later, I went from a, a four-bed NICU where we really couldn't keep any babies on ventilators or anything like that. It was a very low-risk NICU. And uh, to, you know, now our NICU is 46 beds. That's amazing. So. Well, and you certainly make a difference in so many lives. But when you meet with a family for the first time, what do you ask them? My first word is Congratulations. Because they're so overwhelmed and no one knows if they should say congratulations if they have a sick baby or not. My first word is always congratulations. And then I, you know, just reaffirm that, wow, this is this is an overwhelming place. Um, How are you? How are you doing Mm -hmm. with all of this? Um, And we kind of just go through, you know, the different emotions they may experience in the NICU. How do you help them? start looking for resources that are available for them. I mean, there's so many resources that are out there. Paul and I talk about it frequently. It's it's part of the reason we founded Today is a Good Day, was to help families connect with resources. So where do you start that process with families you're meeting with? Well, one of the starts is giving the Today is a Good Day care package, <laughs> a little plug for you. Um, and I and I talk to them about, I think, your um, your website and Facebook and all of that is phenomenal for them to be able to reach out and see a story of a baby of a similar age. 
um, to them, you know, to mm-hmm. think they're the only person who ever had a 25 weeker or, or whatnot and what the outcomes could be. I think that's phenomenal. Um, we give them a welcome booklet when they come in and our welcome booklet has some resources like um, NICUParentNetwork.org, uh, HandToHold.org, um, probably March of Dimes um, website, uh, and maybe a few others. I'm not exactly sure. We just re- re- did the uh, booklet. Do you find that one of the most difficult things for families to do is really ask for help if they need it? And so how do you help families to know that they can ask their nurse that's taking care of their baby or the neonatologist or who are helping or the social worker? How do you encourage them to ask for help? I think we have a good network um, of caregivers, nurses, doctors, nurse practitioners, and they're all very open with that saying, you know, if you need anything, we, um, if they seem to need extra help, they call me. If they seem like they're having a hard time, they'll call me and I'll come in and talk to them. And I'm kind of an outside resource for support. Um, I, yes, I worked in the NICU. Yes, I know everyone in the NICU, but um, kind of an outsider um, to come in and help support them. And I'll kind of guide them on some questions to ask, some things to do. Um, our social workers are very involved in our unit. They go on daily rounds. And we also have a phenomenal discharge planner who helps them set up everything from from uh, admission to discharge and, mm-hmm. and beyond. You've met with, I, I, can, I can't even imagine how many families, mm-hmm. Anne, over the years of being in the NICU, working in your role that you are in now, Many families don't know those questions to ask. So when you were talking about helping them, guiding them, over the years that you've met with families, and I remember Paul and I didn't know what to ask, right? So what are some of the questions that you would encourage families to ask when they go into the NICU? What, what's first on their list as they're opening a journal and ready to take notes? What do they need to be asking the medical team? I, th- I think daily or weekly, at least, to get a plan of care. What's our plan for the baby? Because the medical team always has a plan of care. This is what we're doing. This is what we're hoping to, you know, to achieve by the end of the week. So always keeping up with a plan of care. Um, If possible, ask to have a family meeting. If things seem overwhelming and you're getting different opinions from different people, ask for a family meeting where everyone could meet at the table together and, and discuss that plan and see how they could be involved in that plan. Um, Talking to social work about, insurance issues and, uh, you know, appointments later on and and things like that um, is also very important. I love what you brought up about the plan of care. That's a great idea on a weekly basis. And I do think it can Mm -hmm. be intimidating and overwhelming, especially when you have the very small micropremies who are born and very fragile. How do you encourage families to participate in the care? I mean, many families are scared to touch their baby when they're that small. Right. Yes, absolutely. I, I know from experience absolutely. that Paul and I were very nervous to change diapers and participate in any of that care. How do you help families to get over that? Or what do you encourage them with to make sure that they are participating in that care? So just touching them and talking to them, you know, right away when they're when they're very tiny and they're very unstable. Um, it's hard to think about holding them with mm-hmm. all of the lines and, and wires and tubes. But just doing some containment care where you just put your two hands on them and hold their bottom and hold their head and talk to them, you know, and teaching them to talk to them in a low tone because they're used to muted sounds in the belly and that's where they should still be. So 
just keeping things low, but talking to them, reading to them, praying with them, whatever um, makes them feel the best. Mm -hmm. But just get in there every day and touch their babies every day. Babies need, every human needs human touch. And I remember the books. We That was the one part of the NICU journey where we felt like we could bring something to do with Claire and at the beginning, Mary, mm -hmm. where we would bring books in. And I can vividly remember Paul just reading book after book through the door in the isolate and and just hearing the voice and singing, and, and but in that quiet, low tone, for sure. We also have voice recorders that, that we got through your organization. Yes. Um, when the shutdown happened with uh, COVID, we ordered voice recorders, little little tiny tape recorders, and we encouraged the families to read into them. And then when the staff is doing care, if the family's not there, they put the family's voices on. Mm -hmm. That's wonderful. To reassure them. That, that is such a wonderful addition yeah. to help the baby hear the voices, even mm -hmm. when the parents can't be there. Going back to work through the pandemic, all of those, right. all of those different situations, for sure. Now, we're talking about resources and opportunities for families to find additional help or just to figure out a way to navigate the NICU and be able to organize their thoughts. Some people like to journal. Some people like to move to more of the digital world. I know there are a lot of apps out there that families can download. You have a lot of experience working with families, apps that you've seen. What have you seen? out there and what do you want to share some of the ones that we suggest actually in our welcome packet as well is um number one is the march of Dimes. we've always had a good relationship with the march of dimes march of dimes has the um my NICU baby app um you can put pictures on there you can actually i think share it with family you can journal you can chart breast milk production you can do a little bit of everything on that on that app um another journaling app would be my preemie app um, that's good for just journaling. Um, some people don't want to put pen to paper. Um, some people feel more comfortable with that, but um, my preemie app is really good for that. And another one for self-care that I say to everyone actually was given to me by one of my lost parents. Um, it's called Expectful Meditation, uh, and it gives them just some breathing and relaxation and meditation um, to do to help them just stay focused and, and keep their Keep their mind where it needs to be. I love what you brought up about the app for being able to share photos with family and friends. I, I'm not sure about you, but I know one of the things that was that we hear a lot from families we meet with is I'm overwhelmed by the text messages. I have so many family and friends reaching out to me asking how the baby is, when's the baby coming home, so many questions that I, I am overwhelmed to even respond to. And I think those giving opportunities and apps that are out there or websites that are out there where families can share their story, but they can share as much or as little as they like. So hearing about, uh, it was the March of Dimes mm -hmm. app where you can yeah. share, but then others will talk about creating a Facebook page that families can subscribe to and follow along with the journey, right. caringbridge.org. Caringbridge, we've used. Well, yes. yes, that's the one that we use yes. to share our story and, and loved being able to provide as much information as we wanted to, mm -hmm. along with some photos along the way and family and friends could subscribe to it. But that is a big one that comes up, I think, with families. How do I manage all Absolutely. this, right? It's over, you know, it's overwhelming enough being in the NICU and then barraged by yes. text messages and phone calls is, is a lot yeah. for them. Yeah. What are some of the biggest pieces of advice that you give to families that you meet with in the NICU? I mean, you've seen so much over the years. What do you tell them? to help them along the way? Number one, keep your focus 
on the baby. Um, everyone is very distracted by monitors and numbers and beeping, and, and it's overwhelming. And I remember even as a nursing student um, working in an ICU and thinking, how do you ever put up with all of this beeping? And they say, oh, we don't even hear it after a while. And, and we don't now that I've, you know, been, you know, desensitized to it. But I'll just say, just focus on the baby. If there's any change in the baby, you know, the monitor is going to show on the baby. So keep your focus on the baby. Um, write things down, um, whether it's journaling or just writing down questions. Um, when you go home, write down questions. Yeah, yes, you can call 24 hours a day, but just writing things down. Take notes when the doctors are talking to you. If you don't understand a word, have them spell it for you. Because we all know that everybody's going to go to Dr. Google when they get home. Um, we don't prefer Dr. Google, but yes. <laughs> we all know we're going to do it. So, you know, write down the correct spelling of words um, if something confuses you to see, you know, more about it. Um, get involved. Like I said, if, if your hospital has daily rounds, make sure you're there visiting then. Be involved in rounds and, you know, learn the plan of care just through the rounds and, and learn what today's plan is and what's going on today. Like I said, ask for family meetings and absolutely touching and holding as much as you possibly can. And would you encourage parents as well to try and work with the medical teams to set up the baby's care when they can be there as much as possible? Mm -hmm. That's a mm -hmm. big, big piece of it, right? Yes. Yes. And we try to do, you know, especially with the little tiny ones, um, we do cluster care where we do all of their care at, you know, on time. So it's every four hours, every three hours, whatever it is. We try to cluster all of the care that we're doing and all of the bothering that we're doing to the baby at one time. Mm -hmm. And we usually let the parents know those times. And if it is a problem with a little one at home or, or some other thing they have in their life, then we try to work with them and, and straighten out the times. I want to talk to you a little bit about personal connection among parents. I mean, you, mm -hmm. you've seen families get stuck in their own silos. It is difficult to meet other parents, depending on your personality, too, whether mm -hmm. you want to meet other families or you feel like you shouldn't because everybody has a different journey. So I know that families we've spoken to, they say, oh, I'm just not comfortable introducing myself. They look like they have a lot going on. What do you say to families to encourage them to really foster that connection with other parents? That has become even more important. Uh, we built a new hospital, new hospital about, uh, I guess it'll be 11 years this year. And we went from a big open room concept to all private rooms. So parents are definitely in a silo now. Mm -hmm. um, it's really difficult now. In the big open room, you were three feet from another mother. You couldn't help but make that connection. Uh, but now you're in your own room the whole time. So we encourage them to just, you know, talk to somebody at the scrub sink. Go into the Ronald McDonald room. We have a special room for them that has food and snacks and, and, and a table and everything in there. Talk to other parents in there when you're having lunch. You know, try, try to make a connection. And, and if not, we do try to make connections of if we have another family with a 24-weeker and we have someone who's a little bit older, we try to connect them um, or connect them with someone who's graduated mm -hmm. as much as we can. Because And that's why I said I think your website is great just to see other parents who've had babies of that age. Well, and those friendships you make in the NICU are oh, lifelong, lifelong friendships. Absolutely. And one of my favorite stories to share, we were encouraged by the medical team to go to one of those pizza lunches. So encouraging families, mm -hmm. if that opportunity is there, and, and right now it's virtual, mm -hmm. but take advantage of that because you never know who you are going to meet. We went to a pizza lunch one week into our NICU stay. We met a woman 
whose son was in the NICU with Claire and Mary at the time. Mary had not passed away yet. Rasheen and I have stayed friends. It's been 10 years. She now serves on the board of directors for Mm. Today is a Good Day. Her son Jabril and Claire know each other. They were in the NICU together. But those friendships that you can make will last a lifetime. And it's so important to kind of step out of your comfort zone a little bit to even introduce yourself at the sink, washing hands, going into the NICU to another parent, participating in the programs and events that are there for you. And, And I think one of the most important things about those programs, and we talk about it a lot, you don't have to speak. Right. If you go to those programs, you are more than welcome to just sit mm-hmm. and listen. You don't have to share your story. You don't have to put yourself out there unless you want to. And that's what I think is important for families to understand, too, as those programs are available for them to participate in at hospitals. Absolutely. I think even though the monthly programs now are virtual, um, they see someone else on there mm-hmm. um, that... Um, you know, and they may see them at the scrub sink and say, hey, oh, you were the one I saw. How are you doing? And that does make the connection, even though it's virtual. Yes, absolutely. And meeting the graduate families, that gives you hope. I mean, we talk about Sam on a daily basis, but Sam Muscatello, meeting him at three years old, former 23-weeker, and to see what hope, just like the stories on the website, right? What hope looks like Mm -hmm. as we had a 15-ounce baby in the NICU next door, and to see what was possible gave us hope for our entire Nikki yeah. journey. I mean, those stories and meeting those graduate families is so important. Now, you also support families who experience loss. Yes. And lead the bereavement program mm-hmm. at Virtua. All the families that you've helped walk the difficult journey of loss, what's your biggest piece of advice for them? How do you get them through that chapter? One of the biggest things is um, never give up hope. Um, Always have hope, which sounds, I don't know, sounds not silly, but if a baby is doing very poorly and and they're likely going to die, how do you not give up hope? Um, But we had a family who um, actually their baby had um, suspected um, a trisomy condition that was incompatible with life. Um, It was found in early testing in their pregnancy. They didn't want further testing. But other other ultrasounds and whatnot didn't really show that the, they thought the baby had this. So we weren't sure. When he was born, um, he had some signs that he had this, this disorder. So we hoped he didn't have it. And then hope has to change and evolve over time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he came to the NICU because he was early. We did send genetic testing, and yes, indeed, he did have this. So the next hope for the parents was we hope he can go home and meet his brothers. And then, you know, a he was there for a few weeks, and then he took a turn for the worst. And then I said to them, you know, then your hope changes. And I talked to the dad and said, your hope changes for a peaceful death. And no one wants to hope for that. But there is, a, there is peace and, and beauty in death uh, to have the whole family there and singing to them and talking to them and mm-hmm. holding them while it happens. And the dad said to me, I ended up going to his funeral, and he said to me, I didn't want to hear what you had to say when you were talking about hope, he said, but... It really did. Like I said, if a parent gives up hope, there's no hope in the world. Right. So you always have to hope for something, um, even if it's a peaceful death. Oh, my goodness. And you're getting me choked up over here. But <laughs> That's my I, job. <laughs> I, I love, I just wrote down that line, and I love what you just said. Hope has to change and evolve over time. Mm-hmm. That is, that is wonderful. What a wonderful line. I will carry that with me. That 
definitely brings tears to my eyes as I'm <laughs> sitting here reading that. So I have one more question for you. And I'm just wondering, what is a story with a family that really sticks out with you over your years of working with different NICU families, families who experience loss? And you may have more than one no, you want to share with us. I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> But something that really sticks out to you that maybe you've learned something from for life and you want to share with us today. Okay. Um, one that I actually say to new nurses that I would that I would train um, is that we really never know the depth of how we change someone's life or how we touch someone's life in the NICU. You know, to us, it's not just a job because we love our jobs and we, we just cherish the babies and, and our jobs. But it's a routine of things we do. And I had this dad, this dad, he was big, large man, and he was scared to death of this little baby. And he wouldn't even touch her. He didn't even want to touch her. And I said, you know, have you held her yet? He said, oh, no, no, no. Okay. So I was just talking to him and I was doing her care and I was moving her around a little bit in the bed. And I said to him, can you do me a favor? And he would have done anything. And he did do anything I asked him to do. I said, can you just put your hands out like this? He said, yes. And I think he was thought I was going to hand him the linens. And so I just took the baby and I put the baby in his hands. And he, I thought I was oh going to, I thought I killed Anne. him. I thought he was going to have a heart attack. I really did. Cause he was like frightened to death. And, and, but he still tells that story. Emma's got to be, I don't even know. She's got to be 14 or 16 years old. Wow. And he still tells that story about what a beautiful thing and how I changed his life that day. You know, yes. letting him hold his daughter. Oh, I'm sure you have changed a Just. lot of lives <laughs> over the years, including mine. Yeah. I mean, I'm so grateful for your friendship and knowing you, yeah. but really appreciate you being here today, sharing your insights, your in advice for families who are currently navigating the NICU. We're grateful for you. Thank you, Anne. Thank you very much.